0: I want to read a place from Revelation. Uh, This is chapter 4, and I won't be reading the whole chapter. But basically, um, I believe that if we see Jesus today, if we see our Lord today as he ought to be seen, um, we won't be able to walk out of this service the same that we walked in. Okay? We were singing the first song, a very interesting song. It said, uh, one day... um, Every tongue will confess you are God. One day, every knee will bow, right? And that's in the Bible. That's Scripture. That's almost, um, it's paraphrasing a a place in the Bible where it says there will come a time where every single person, in fact, even creation, creatures, will bow down before God and worship him when he's going to appear the second time. But here's an interesting point. I don't think people are going to fall down and worship God at that time. During This is Jesus' second coming. Because they're forced to. Because there's angels standing by everyone, and if they don't fall down and worship this Jesus who, who is coming back the second time, they're going to get cut down or something. I don't, I don't think that's what it means. I, I, I feel like when Jesus is going to appear the second time, his glory, his beauty, his majesty, his the, the awe and wonder that people will experience looking at Jesus, looking at him believers and non-believers believers will fall down and worship him and they will fall down and worship him like they've worshiped before but they've probably never experienced this wonderful beautiful feeling that they now feel unbelievers for the first time in their life they will experience what it means to see God to to get a glimpse of God and they I believe will fall down and worship because they've seen God's glory They've seen God's beauty. And it's not going to be a forced uh, bowing down. It's going to be, you are worthy of all praise, bowing down. We get we're wrong. And yes, they are going to go to hell. There is, that is too late for anyone to repent. But the awe and the beauty that's going to be there, I believe is going, to be, is going to surpass anything that we could have ever imagined. Just seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus at that last day. But I believe God allows us to see him even today, through his word. And I believe the brothers that are going to be preaching the word are, they've, they've prepared themselves and they've asked the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want us to speak? And God has given them something. The, the songs that we're, we're singing, these are wonderful songs. And if we really want to see Jesus, I believe that he will allow us to see him. Here's, a, here's an interesting place it says, I was in the spirit and behold a throne. Listen, listen to to Jesus' surroundings. Set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like jasper and sardius stone in appearance. And there was a a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and on the 24 thrones were 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. In the midst of the throne and around the throne There were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in the back. And the first living creature was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist." and were created. Listen, this isn't this isn't people being forced or creatures or elders being forced to to bow down to God. This is their job. God created them and their role is to worship God and to do this this ritual. No, they're not doing a ritual. They are experiencing what it means to stand before God in his presence, to experience his glory, and the only thing, the only rational thing that they can do is fall down before him and say, "You are so worthy of the praise. You are so worthy of the honor of all my glory, of all my time, of all my energy, of all my thoughts right now this moment. You are worthy for me to fight thoughts, for me to fight ideas, for me to fight maybe friends, not physically fight, but just just say, not not right now, not these two hours. It's going to be me and the Lord. I need to hear something today. I believe if a person walks into any service that is filled in the Spirit of God, God will speak to him if he or she has that mindset. I want to see the Lord. I want to see Jesus there will come a time and like we were singing that song people will bow down everyone will bow down and everyone experiencing the glory of God will say okay I was wrong and fall down in awe in wonder from the glory of God and worship God but how blessed are those who do it today the worship team is leading us in this to do it today. The preachers are going to be calling us to, it, to do it today, to see a, a part of God, a glimpse of God. And if we see it, we're going to be the happiest people on earth. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and we are thankful for all your mercy and all your grace. My God, we are thankful for all the mercy that you have given us, for all the grace that you have given us. My God, to this day to this moment my God you have given us so much mercy and we glorify your name my God we worship your name my God we lift your name above every other name you are worthy my God the elders say you are worthy the creatures who see you they say you are worthy and they say it not because they have to they say it because you are they are experienced what it means to be in the presence of God my Lord we are coming into this place and my God we are sinful men my God we are sinful women. My God, we are living in this world. We are not out of this world but you are keeping us in this world my God and what we are asking is this. Give us pure sight my God. Give us a pure heart so that we could see the pure Lord my God so that we could see the holy Lord my God because only those who are holy, who are sanctified, who are purified could stand in the presence of the holy and, and glorious God. My God, we are asking would you please cleanse us. My God, would you please purify Us right now. We are praying, please forgive us of anything that we've done, my God. And would our minds be prepared, would our hearts be prepared, my Lord, to see you today, my God, to see your beauty, to see your beauty, my God, to experience your glory, to say, My God, you are worthy of my time, you are worthy of my energy, you are worthy of my thoughts, you are worthy of every bit of my life to be holy and fully dedicated to you, not just when I come into the service. But my God, as we sit in the service with this truth, with this mystery be revealed to us of how worthy you are of all praise, of how worthy you all are are of all honor, of how worthy you are of all glory, my God. We come before you and together as the youth of Slavic Christian Center, we want to thank you, my God. We want to glorify your name. We want to lift your name above every other name. My God, you are so worthy. My God, you are so worthy. My God, you are so worthy. You have been so good to us by sending your son down, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. My God, forgiven us so much common grace that we experience every single day as we wake up and drive to work and we study in school. My God, and as we come back home to a loving and and caring family and, and to a warm house, so much grace that you have poured out into our lives and you deserve praise for that. But God, above all, you deserve praise for the wonderful sacrifice that you have done for us. While yet we were yet sinners, while we were yet so far away from you, you died for us, and we thank you for that. In this service, my God, because of all the mercy and all the grace that you have given us, because of how worthy you are, how glorious you are, in this service, we want to see you, my Lord. We want to see Jesus today. We want to see the Lord, my God, with our own two eyes, not how our parents told us. That is wonderful that our parents tell us, but there has to come a time where we see the Lord with our own two eyes. Otherwise, we won't last in this cruel world. Otherwise, we won't go far with Christ. My God, we need a personal revelation. My God, we need to see you personally, and we need to follow you personally. We want to sacrifice our lives. My God, we need to sacrifice our lives, not just watch as other people do it, but dedicate our lives and dedicate our time and dedicate our energy to the wonderful and glorious Jesus Christ. My God, we lift your name. My God, we glorify you. My God, we say worthy, 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 worthy my God. Worthier you, 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 my God. Worthier, my my God, are you? You are worthy, my Lord. You are worthy, my God. You are worthy, my God. You are worthy, my Lord. Glorify, we glorify your name. We lift your name, my God. We lift your name, my God. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you for this sweet moment. Altuza Karabara, we glorify your name. Worthy, my God. You are worthy, my God. You are worthy, my God. You are are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all honor. You are worthy of all glory. You are worthy of every bit of our time and how little of our time do we give to you. You are worthy of all of our energy and how we spend all our energy on other things and give you just whatever is left. My God, forgive us. My God, please forgive us for that because you are so worthy of us and we give you so little of us. My God, we want to live our life. We want to live our life worth of the calling of Christ, my God. And in this service, my God, we're asking for one thing. Would we see Jesus? My God, would we see our Lord? My God, and as we see Jesus, would there be repentance? My God, and as we see Jesus, would there be comfort? My God, and as we see Jesus, would men and women, young adults, receive life? We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your mercy. We give you all glory, praise, and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Praise God, brothers and sisters. Praise God, brothers and sisters. Praise God. God. Amen. What I want to share tonight is something that's been on my mind. It's been on my mind for a while. And maybe other people who have spoken before might have a very similar attitude. We sometimes have sermons in our head. We have things we want to preach on, we have ideas, and we're just not sure. We kind of have them in our head, and we're just kind of cycling through, and it just doesn't feel like it's right yet. I need to think some more on that. The Lord needs to show me more on this, and as things are cycling through, the Lord does something, or he opens something up, and then we say, now's the time. Now is the time to preach that sermon, and that's kind of how it was for me today, for this week. And the first place I wanted to read from, just so that we get straight into the Word, is the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter ten. This is going to be the only place where I believe I'll read from Luke chapter ten. And this is something. This is uh, an area of my life where the Lord showed me I had sinned. I had sinned, and I was wrong—not not once, but many times. But very recently, this past week, He showed me. And this is what I wanted to share with all you. This is the book of Luke chapter ten, and we're going to start from verse thirty-eight. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And my first question to all of you here is this Can a person become so distracted with serving God that they're drawn away from God? Can a person become so distracted with much serving like Martha? that they forget what really matters. And many of us, I believe, and I can speak for myself, many times I find that I am more like Martha than I am like Mary. And I say, like Martha said, Lord, here's my sister, she's not helping me. Or Lord, here's my brother, he's not working like I'm working. Lord, why aren't they helping me? And all along, Jesus is saying, you're so troubled about so many different things. You're so worried about so many things. There's only one thing that is needful. And people like Mary are those that have that one thing. And so, I know when I first read this story, and it's possible some of you have talked about this story with other people. And it's not uncommon for you to read this story and say this. I don't know, Mary sounds a little lazy, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha's hustling, she's working, she's preparing, she's serving. I'm kind of on Martha's side. Mary sounds a little bit lazy to me. I don't see what the big deal with what Mary's doing is, and I've read it before, and I've had those thoughts before, and you would not be the first person to have that thought if you did. But we must understand, when we understand who God is and who Jesus is, the most disgusting thing would be to do what Martha did. Because when you understand who is standing before you, Jesus Christ, God himself, it says in Colossians on the next chapter, we read chapter one in the next chapters, it says Jesus is the Godhead bodily. Everything that God is, is in Jesus Christ. And so before Martha and before Mary is standing, the living God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, before them is standing the one who holds their life in his hands, before them is standing the one who will soon die for them, the one who would shed his blood for her is standing right there. And all Martha can do is say, Lord, how come they're not helping? Lord, how come she's not serving like me? And it would be disgusting to say that Mary was lazy for wanting to sit at the feet of her master, to sit at the feet of the one who loved her more than anyone else. And that's exactly what Mary did. And I want to say to all of you here in this place, be very careful. Be very careful that your service, and it's really interesting how the scripture puts it. Let's read it one more time. This is verse 40. But Martha was distracted. She wasn't a little bit confused, a little bit off the road. She didn't lose track of things. She didn't forget her first love. She was distracted. Can you believe that preaching can distract you from God? Can you believe that being a Sunday school teacher, Saturday school teacher can distract you from the living God? You're doing it for him. You're doing it for God, but your service can draw you away from him. It can draw you away from him. If any of you are ever interested, you read this chapter in the Greek, for example, and you take this word distracted. What does it mean to be distracted? And it means to draw away. Think this, your relationship with God can be drawn away by your good works. You deciding to serve can draw you away from God. It can do that. The Bible says it. It's right there. Martha was so distracted by serving that she left the feet of her master. She left the feet of her God. And some of you might say, that's not me. That's never me. I I could never do that. If Jesus was right here, there's no way I would leave him for service. I would don't even imagine that I would do something like that but I want to give you an example of how that happened in my life very recently I do this with the intent that you might listen and you might say I actually that sounds kind of familiar I think I've been doing that and if you hearing my testimony will say I think I'm behaving like Martha then I want you to please repent please repent. I had to confess before God, Lord, I have been distracted, and I have not been like Mary. I have not found a good thing. Me preaching up here is not a good thing. Me sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his word, that is the good thing. That is the most important thing, and if ever your ministry, your good works, your service, whatever it is, if it ever draws you away from God, it's not an oops daisy It's not a mistake. It's a distraction. It is nothing more than a distraction, and I do not care who tells you otherwise. I don't care if someone tells you, brother, you just need to be struggling with it. You need to hustle it. Keep doing what you're doing. If it draws you away from God, it is a distraction. And the question is, will you fear God or will you fear man more? Because if you fear man more and you fear what people think of you, you'll say, okay, brother, okay, sister, I'll try harder. Okay, I'll do more. I'll do more. And so this is where I want to share what happened to me recently this last week. I know last Tuesday you guys were doing testimonies, so I have an excuse. I can share a testimony in my sermon. And it started off like this. Last week on Monday, I, had, I woke up with a stomach flu and i didn't realize it was that bad i thought i would just walk it off but after lunchtime, i had some coffee i had a sandwich and i was having a good time and i just it was a terrible decision and i just felt terrible i felt nauseous i felt like i wanted to throw up and so i left work early and later that night i ended up throwing up a few times because it's the stomach flu it has to it has to go out and so i say Lord, that's okay. We've been preaching about trials recently. i got to use this opportunity to grow in likeness. So I said, okay, I'll take the challenge. Tuesday comes along, and I don't do anything eventful. I'm just at home. I'm resting, relaxing. By Wednesday morning, I feel pretty good. By Wednesday morning, I'm eating again. I'm eating normally, Bogu. And I say, Lord, thank you. I'm going to sit down. I have nothing planned today. I want to read the word. And so I start reading the Bible, and a few minutes, just a few minutes into the reading, I get a phone call, and it's an opportunity to speak the next day at Thursday evening service at the main sanctuary. And so I say to the brother who asked me, I work on Thursday, but I will ask my boss. If he lets me, I'll do it. I'll see what I can do. And so I finish that conversation, and as I'm texting my boss, not even a minute later, My boss calls me first. Whoa, green lights, right? God is opening doors. It's obvious he wants me to speak. Boss is like, hey, I need someone to work this evening. I'm like, that's great, boss, but here's my situation. He's like, you work this evening? Have Thursday off. It's all yours. Green lights, doors are opening. God wants me to speak, right? Absolutely. Give him a call back. I'm down. Put me down. Thursday evening, I'm speaking. And so just a few minutes into reading the word of God, I close my Bible, I get changed, and I go to work. And I don't open up my Bible for the rest of that day. And Thursday morning comes, and I feel terrible. I feel worse than I did on Monday. I feel worse than I did in the beginning. And this is how dumb we can sometimes be. Lord, I know this is going to go away because you want me to speak this evening, right? Lord, I know in a couple hours I'm going to walk this off. It's so obvious to me you want me to speak tonight. This sickness isn't going to stop me. A couple hours go by, and I'm getting worse and worse, and I just have to, Lord, I can't make it. Lord, I can't make it a service this evening. I go, I call, I cancel, and I'm just so confused. I'm so confused. I'm saying, Lord, don't you want me to preach Don't you want me to serve? Don't you want me to go out there and preach a good sermon? Didn't you open the door? Didn't you make me better Wednesday morning? Didn't you give me the phone call? Wasn't even a minute, and my boss calls me first. He gives me the whole day off. Lord, didn't you want me to speak? Didn't you want me to serve you? And so by Thursday evening, Thursday night, I'm not in a good mood. I'm not cheerful anymore. I'm just confused. I'm so sad, and I'm saying, Lord, what did I do wrong? We know that God sometimes chastises us when we sin. So I start thinking, Lord, what did I do? Is there some area in my life where I've sinned? Lord, please open it up to me. And I started thinking, and I remembered how I sat down to read the Word of God. And I only read for a couple minutes before I had to close this thing. Because why? I was distracted with much serving. Where God, I was sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, hearing his word. I was doing what Mary was doing. I was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word, and I exchanged it for an opportunity to speak. I changed my schedule for the whole day. I got changed. I went to work just so that I could preach the next day, and I didn't read my Bible on Thursday either on top of that. I never stopped to say, Lord, do you want me to speak on Thursday? Lord, what do you want me to share on Thursday? Lord, do you want me to speak on Thursday? I didn't care. I loved the idea of preaching because doesn't God want me to serve? Isn't God giving me the open doors? Isn't he giving me these green lights? All these coincidences, they must be from God. No, they're not. They're not always from God. They're not always from God. And so Lord showed me, Dennis, you have been distracted with so much serving. That you cannot be sitting at my feet and enjoying my presence enjoying my word you get distracted because you get real prideful and real self-righteous when you know that you have a chance to go up there and to speak and everyone's eyes are on you and so my message to all of you here this evening if you see that you like martha are really busy serving you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you're a Saturday school teacher. Maybe you go to Bible school. You're a graduate of Bible college. Maybe you're in the worship team. Maybe you're an evangelist missionary. You go to Moldova, Ukraine. The Lord bless you. But be so very careful that you do not become distracted with serving. Because I want to say something to all of you. We who become distracted... We people like me, we together who become distracted with serving, we didn't find a good thing. That's not what the Bible says. Who's the one who found a good thing? Mary's the one who found a good thing. You think you got into Sunday school? You didn't find a good thing. I'm sorry. You think you got an entrance into the pulpit? You didn't find a good thing. You think you can finally sing on stage? I'm, Lord bless you. You didn't find a good thing, though. The good thing is the person that says, Lord Jesus, I will sit at your feet and I will listen to your word, and I will worship you as you are deserved, as you are deserved. And some of you might say, I'm not seeing what you're saying, Dennis. I'm not picking up what you're putting down, Dennis. There's no way God would not want you to speak on Thursday. Maybe it was a fluff. Maybe you didn't pray enough or something. Well, I want to say to you, I can think of three reasons why you might not get what I'm saying or what I'm putting down. There's three reasons I can think of and I see it in my own life. One is pride. One is self-righteousness. And one is simply a misunderstanding of what God really wants. One is pride because you have exalted yourself. You have said, Lord, it's obvious that I know how this Christianity works. They got me preaching on Sunday morning. I got this Christianity figured out. No, I don't. I'm being really prideful. Lord, I teach kids. I know what's best. You're being very prideful right there. Lord, it's obvious that you are and you have put me where you want me to be in my position. That's pride speaking right there. There's no way you want me to sit at home, seek your face in prayer and fasting and reading. It's obvious the real Christian serves. That's your pride speaking. That is your pride speaking. That's what the Pharisees did. Self-righteousness. Because you believe that you are right and God is wrong. Because you say, Lord, it's obvious I'm doing the right thing. There might be some self-righteousness inside of you. And thirdly, you might just have some bad theology. If you're not in the Word and you're not in church, it's very possible you just you have no idea what God wants out of your life. I found that those three reasons are the majority. The three things that kept me distracted in service was pride, self righteousness, and bad theology. Because when I read the Bible, I find that that's not what God wants for me. God does not save me so that I could do good things for Him. He saves me to adopt me, to make me his child. And out of my love for him, him as my father, now I can do good works. But I do that out of gratitude. I don't do it because I'm forced to. I don't do good things to gain God's love. He already Loves me, and he already showed that to me on the cross. God shows no favoritism. No one in here can say, I'm God's favorite. God has blessed me more. Absolutely not. Do not look at a brother or a sister who God uses and say, that's God's favorite right there. God must really love that sister. God must really love that brother. Absolutely never. That is not God's attitude. God shows no favoritism. He shows no favoritism But can you believe that? Can you believe that God loves you just as much as a pastor up there who preaches? Can you believe that God loves you, the Bible says, as much as he loved Jesus himself? Did you know the Bible says God loves you with the same love he loved Jesus? I'm going to be honest. I didn't always believe that. And so I told myself, I'm going to make up for that by being a preacher. I'm going to make up for that by knowing this Bible inside out and becoming a really good preacher, by being a really good servant. And I poured all my effort into doing works because I'm insecure. I don't think God really loves me. And those, that's my fault. That's my pride. That's my self-righteousness. But I want to say to all of you here, if this is familiar and if what I'm saying makes sense, and if you're listening and you're saying, I'm kind of like that, repent. Repent. You need to confess before God that you have been prideful. You are not a victim here. You have been prideful. You have been self-righteous. You have been distracted and drawn away from the living God because of service. We need to confess this before God. We need to say, Lord, forgive me. I want to be like Mary, and I want to sit at your feet and listen to your word. And when the time comes, I will do good things. I will do good works out of gratitude and out of love, not because I have to, and never if it will draw me away from you. If this preaching draws me away from God, don't glorify it. Don't justify it. It's a distraction. It is a distraction. If you teaching in a classroom distracts you from reading the Bible for yourself, it's a distraction. Don't justify yourself and say, God wants me to serve God's will is for you to seek his face, and only then, once you're seeking his face, may you serve him, and then he will use you as you are meant to be used. Let's stand and pray. Lord God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this night that you've given us, Father. And I pray, Lord, may we look at your word and may we learn, Father, not to be distracted with much serving, God, to not be legalistic, Father, and to not look at our brothers and sisters and say, Lord, why aren't they helping me, God? It is from my own pride. It is from my own self-righteousness, God, that I do this, Father. I believe that I need to serve you to gain your love, Father. I am so insecure, my God and I seek your approval father when you've already shown me your love on that cross God I pray let us keep our eyes on you father let us keep our eyes on you Jesus Christ the author and perfecter of our faith Hallelujah, God, I pray, cleanse us, Lord. Forgive us, my God, if we, like Martha, are distracted and drawn away from what really matters, God. We have not found a good thing, Lord. If we are servants distracted, we have not found a good thing. We have found a terrible thing, Lord. But let us be like Mary, Father. Let us be the one who sits at your feet, Jesus, and hears your word, my God, who honors you for who you are, the living God Almighty the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. There is no greater name, Father. There is no other name by which we are saved but Jesus Christ, Father. I pray let us keep our eyes on you, my God. Let us love you and worship you, my God. Let us not be distracted with much serving, my God, but let us honor you, Father. Let us understand who you are. You are our redeemer. You are our father, God, and you've adopted us, Lord, not to do good works, not to gain your approval, not to gain your love, Lord, but to be your children and to then worship in gratitude and in love, Father. We thank you, God. I pray, bless this evening and the rest of this service. Speak to us, God, whatever it is that you want to say to us, Father, and may we learn, Father, to be like Mary, to find the good thing and to hold on to it, my God, and to keep our eyes on you, Father. You are the one that matters, Lord, and if we do have a service that is distracting us, forgive us, God. Remove it from us, Lord. Let us fear you more than we fear man, God. When man tells us we're not doing enough, let us fear you more, God, and to remember, Lord, that you love us, Father, and all you ask is that we sit at your feet and listen to your word, we bless you, God. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is so good. He is so good. It's it's wonderful to be in the family. It is wonderful to be in the family. I don't know how many people realize and how many people, people have a healthy family. Um, where you run to to find security and to find rest. I remember one of the days at work, um, it was really tough. It was really tough, uh, spiritually and uh, emotionally and so on and so forth. And uh, Natasha, my wife, decided to just out of random uh, come and pick me up. She got all the kids. She packed them in the van, and and and, and they uh, drove up and uh, picked me up from work. And I got into the car, sat down, and said, "You don't realize how good it is to be in the security of the family. Um, I can't explain that to you with words. You'll have to live through that." Okay. When you live through that, come back to me and say, Dennis, I know exactly what you're talking about. But you experience that, or you can experience that, by being in the family of God. Because the world around us, if we are truly Christians, is hostile. It is not friendly. No matter how enticing sometimes it seems, it is not friendly toward christ that is in you and the only safe place is the church his family amen amen it's so good it's so good to be in a family hi family yes you are my family and whether you like it or not, I am your family too. <laughs> um, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be talking about gifts today. You guys like gifts? Enjoy receiving gifts? Yeah, me too. Um, I think that's the reason they gave me a microphone with the cord so I don't take it home, thinking it's a gift. Uh but let's open up to Ephesians 4, uh, chapter, uh, verse 7. And we're going to dive right in. Um, say amen if you're there. I like that. Uh, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he, Christ, ascended in high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until here. Um, Wonderfully enough, um, we're Looking at something that is um, can sound as a mystery, right? What is he talking about? Uh, what is he talking about here? He ascended and he descended, and 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 it sounds complicated. But let's focus on the things that we can comprehend here, and the things that we are playing here. Um, And the first thing that we can look at is that to each one of us, grace was given. And my question would be the first question, have you received that grace? Yes or no? What is that grace? I'll help you out. That's your salvation. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. One gift, the gift of salvation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If we talk about salvation, we're going to spend here a lot of time. But grace was given to each and every one of us in Christ Jesus um, and that is a gift of salvation. But he goes on and further, and he uh, says that um, when he ascended on high, he led captives of hosts of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He talks about multiple gifts here, not just one gift, but he talks about multiple gifts. And if we first skip down to chapter uh, to verse eleven. He said, and he gave some. As apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists um, and so on. He's talking here about spiritual gifts. Not the gifts that you can feel, but he's talking about here uh, about spiritual gifts. And what is a, a, a spiritual gift? So he did two things. He did two things in, in this verse 8. He ascended on high and led captive, a host of captives. We're not going to pause on that and focus on that uh, just because we don't have time. But you can uh, do your own reading on Psalm 58 or 1 Peter, Peter 3.19. Uh, but we're going to move down to the, uh, he gave gifts to man, and he gave gift to me and gifts to you and something to remember and to take home with you is that each and every one of us received a gift from Christ accept the gift of salvation on top of the gift of salvation you have a gift and the question is do you know your gift that's a second question but each have received a gift that's what the Bible is teaching. And now, what is a spiritual gift? That would be a very natural question, right? How do I know what is a spiritual gift? And a spiritual gift is a God-given ability um, that is given to individuals, to Christians, by the Holy Spirit that allows us, each and every one of us, to... Um, The gift, when the gift is working, it helps us to fulfill the mission of the church here on earth. And when he's, uh, in verse 12, we can see for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, the building up of the body of Christ. And my main focus today is going to be on the building up of the body of Christ. And I'm really hopeful that this is going to be something that you will consider and something that you will ponder on because you received the gift. And if I received the gift, I'd be curious what that gift is and how I'm implementing that gift and and what it looks like in my life and how am I blessing other people with that gift, right? I'd be really curious. Um... So we talked about what is a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is given, uh, it's a a supernatural ability. It is a supernatural ability. It's different from your um, natural um, abilities. It is different from your um, things that are, naturally uh, in you, or abilities that are naturally in you, and we will talk about that a little bit later. But the main uh, thing to remember about spiritual gift, it is it is it that is given equally by God, distributed by the Holy Spirit as He assigns that. And um, it, the work or the power that is, that is at work in us, in the Christian in Christians, is the power of the resurrection of Christ. It is the power of the resurrection of Christ. The power is equal. The power is equal. We're all connected to the same power source, which is Jesus Christ. It is much like an electricity. You have different appliances. You have a toothbrush, electrical toothbrush, you have a um a, a, a coffee maker, you have a microwave, you have um a hair dryer or, or or a straightener, right? They all have different power demands, but they all connect to the same source. They all operate from the same power. In Christian's life, the power is In Jesus Christ. The power is in resurrected Jesus Christ. And that is why it is so important to be connected to the power. Something that Dennis uh, was talking about today. Connected to the power of Christ. The gifts are different. Uh, The gifts that Apostle Paul here covers are just a few. The gifts are just a few that uh, we can find in other places. And they differ, Uh, we can separate them into three different categories. Establishing gifts um, like apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers uh, that are used for uh, the church to grow. And there are uh, supporting gifts like prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, administration, leadership, and mercy. Those are the gifts uh, that are used to organize uh, and, and, and administrative gifts in the church uh, to help carry out its responsibilities here in the world. And there are ministry gifts that are, uh, are there. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, um, helps, um, and, and so on. So the gifts are, are very uh, much, there are many gifts And and we read them in Romans. We read them, we find them in Romans 12, in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, You can do a study on the gifts. And you will find um, more. You will learn more about that. What is the purpose of these gifts? The Bible says uh, that, but to each one of us, Is given, uh, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So the gifts are given to serve each other. The gifts are given to serve each other. Uh, What is the difference then uh, between the spiritual gifts and natural talents? The talents are spiritual, uh, are physical abilities to do special things. And some natural talents, you know, like musical inclinations and, and, and things that people inclined, you know, mechanically uh, in, other th- in other aspects, um, God can use that. The spiritual gift uh, can use the, f- the, the, the natural um, talent as a vehicle to advance God's kingdom. The spiritual gift, for example, a person who is really good at singing, the first row right here, who is really good at at singing, um, and their spiritual gift could be evangelism. They can use their natural talent to evangelize, their spiritual talent to evangelize. They can use their natural talent and and magnify that, that service. Um, just one example. There are many other examples in the Bible where God um, used people and and uh, used them for for His glory. Do, come, do, do, do the spiritual gifts uh, come in a full package or are ready to, you know, just unpackage? And, and just use it, plug it in and use, you know, plug and play. That's, that's the, the, the right, probably, uh, way to describe it. No, they're not. You have to develop them. You have to develop the spiritual gift within you. You have to work at it. Um, that's probably uh, not a good news, right? (laughs) We would love to have something, you know, that we uh, order on Amazon today and we get it same day or next day, right? Prime shipping and so on and so forth and you just plug and play and you just enjoy it. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. He wants us to work at those gifts. He wants us to perfect them in us. And 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 uh, through even through the service, he works on us. He was he works on our character. God works on my character every day. Um, you know, maybe some people enjoy preaching. I can't say that I always enjoy preaching. I'll be honest with you. I would never think that I would ever preach, to be completely honest with you. I was uh, stuttering really badly when I was, since I remember myself, I don't know, 10, uh, I, I came here in, uh, to America when I was 17, and it was a big problem for me to communicate with people, to even carry the conversation Especially in the big group, I could not even put together a few words. I was not dreaming to be a preacher. Okay, let me just plainly put that. I was not. And I remember the instance here in the uh, choir room when uh, I was asked to preach. How embarrassed I was because my preaching was really bad. I could barely talk through that sermon. And I was on my knees, and I even forgot uh, to pray at the end. Uh, But nevertheless, um, after that time, something happened. And God opened my mouth, my lips. And every time I would speak, I would speak clearly, preach. And every time I would talk with my friends and try to crack a joke, I was stuttering again. I was like, okay, that's a good clue. That's a good clue that God gave me a clear, an ability to speak clearly to present His truth. To present Him, to magnify Him and to glorify Him. That's just my personal experience. It might be different in your life. You might discover your gift differently um, but you have to do it. You have to do it. Can I choose my gift? No, we can't choose our gifts. The Holy Spirit is the one who distributes the gifts according to His will. He is the one who's giving people, uh, us gifts, He is the one in charge. Can I lose my gift? That would be another question. Yes, you can lose your gift. Jesus was telling um, a parable, and he said, um, Again, it will, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And I'm gonna skip the whole uh story. You remember there were several sermons, uh servants. One received five bags of gold. The other one received two. Another one received one. And when he came back, he wanted to have his gold back times, so many times, not just what he gave. And the last one says that I actually was afraid to do anything with this bag of gold. This gift, and I just hid it just so I don't lose it or you know do something bad with it. I just hid it. And here, here is the words uh, pretty harsh words actually to this last servant to one, he gave five uh, bags. Uh, okay, so, uh, so yeah, uh, to one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one back, each according to his ability. Then he went on the journey. And then he came back and he said, his master replied to the last one, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return I would have received it back with interest those are pretty harsh words aren't those God is pretty serious God is pretty serious about his wealth his gifts and his children because he entrusts us certain things and he expects certain things Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'm sorry, chapter uh, 2, verse 10, yes. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. There's nothing to boast about he created us, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus four good works, which God prepared beforehand. So God already prepared the things that you should do, that I should do, that I should, through which I will glorify his name. Walk in them. Walk in them. There are several uh, ways to um, identify what is my gift. And, and some of the way, um, uh, I'll give you a few. As I study how gifts operate in the Bible, do any resonate in my soul? What do I enjoy doing? What is the Holy Spirit telling me? What ministry in my life is God's blessing? What gifts do others see operating in me? The main thing is to practice the gift, is to practice it, is to do it over and over and over again, is to serve, um, and serve God's body, the Lord's body, His um, His church. You know, uh, as I was preparing for this, um, I thought to myself, um, as Christians, we as Christians, as as believers as youth at Slavic Christian Center in Tacoma. Let's be very specific. Um, How can we serve each other this year? How can I serve my brothers and my sisters? And one of the basics, gifts, one of the basic ways we can serve each other is by encouraging each other. Start with that. Try that. Practice that. How often do you hear encouragement from other people? Let me me ask you that. How often do you hear encouragement? And how many times you hear discouraging things? You know, I was I was just in my devotional time today reading James reading James and um chapter three and I was just again amazed at what um what James is writing. And he says, do you know who is a perfect man? Do you know who is a perfect man and woman? You can be perfect. You know how? If you, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. He is able to control the whole body. Wow, so easy, so simple. What a simple recipe. Right? Maybe not. Maybe not. So my challenge for you today, we're going to be finishing up. My challenge or my petition, my plea with you this year, stop talking evil things about your brothers and sisters. That would be number one. Remember you are in God's family and you have no right to speak evil about anyone. Those are not my words. Those are the words of the Bible. That if you judge your brother or sister, you become not a law doer, but you become a judge. Judge. And what I see is that we have too many judges and not so many doers of the law. Not necessarily in our church. We have a lot of faithful servants in our church. Praise the Lord. But especially, be careful in the social media. Because your likes, it's a voice towards a particular song, particular prank video, a particular um, joke. It's your voice that will be counted, that will be counted by God. And who do I give my voices to? Who do I give my likes to? What kind of things? Let's be careful. What kind of comments we leave? At the end of the day, you can hurt somebody, and it will take them a long time to recover. A long time to recover. I recall from my uh, youth days when we went on a particular trip to Goldendale, there was an observatory uh still there uh, you can go there. it's a good trip um, uh, but uh, at the hotel when we where we stayed, uh, we came into one hotel, brothers and sisters, and we were worshiping god and you know and and we had an idea to play a game uh, Everyone would write something about the other person, and we would you know take turns and write about each person and and, and you know kind of things that we think about those people. And it felt so good, you know, when people said, oh, one person said, oh, Dennis, um, I like how he, um, you know, speaks highly of God and, and he can represent God, you know, so highly. It's like, oh, yeah, it feels so good, you know. i um, just being honest, you know. Um, but what I wrote about a person uh, was that she was uh, very, Let um, me remember what I exactly said, patriotic, but not patriotic, but uh, um, actually, um, I could have used that word, that would be much better. <laughs> but I said uh, that she was very nationaliska. Um, um, and she really didn't like that. She really was not happy with me for a long time. And I think she still remembers that. She still remembers that. Um, But my point is, my point is, what do you use your tongue for? How do you use it? Um, Your comments on your social media. um, How do you use that to advance God's kingdom? to unite God's family. You know, sometimes we underestimate things. We underestimate other people's feelings, other people's struggles. And we do not speak enough encouraging words. So my challenge to you would be speak encouraging words more this year. And the only way we can do that, the only way we can practice the gifts and the gift that God gave me. It can be one gift, it can be multiple gifts. Um, the only way that we can do that is by uh, is by being in Jesus Christ, is by being in Jesus Christ John 15 verse 5 I am the vine; you are the branches he who abides in me and I am him he bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing brothers and sisters apart from Christ you can do nothing I can do nothing Bogdan can do nothing. We can do things. We can do things. But those things can be working, actually, not for the glory of God. The only things that will glorify God, and will bring much fruit. Are the things that are done in Christ. And that's what Dennis was talking about today. Being with Christ, being in Christ. Um, Remember that you were created for good works. You are created for good works. You were saved for good works. And God wants us to be secure, to be secure in His love so we can serve others. Pray that God would show you in the Scripture His love and would make you secure. And the only way to be secure is through the Scripture, understanding what God did for you and for me in Jesus Christ. May God bless you. My desire for you, for our youth, is that you would be successful in Christ Jesus. You know why? Because we're family. We are family. Remember that. Remember that. May God bless you. Let's stand up and pray.